Welcome to the Bethel Church Podcast. Each week you'll be able to check in for our messages from Sunday and other material. We hope that our messages encourage you in your walk and daily faith with Jesus. Make sure to check out our website, BethelStratford.org. Today we're going to continue looking at the uh, minor prophets, and we're looking at the book of Nahum this morning. And so we're just halfway through. Nahum is the seventh book, and so if you're reading along with us, I hope you're enjoying reading through the minor prophets. Uh, but Nahum, the neat thing with him is no matter where, whatever scroll they found, wherever they were looking, they found him at number seven. Some of the other ones might change a little bit, but he has always been in the same place. There is little known about Nahum except that he came from a town of Eshglosh, which actually this is the only spot that is referred to, so they actually don't know where it's located. They're not sure exactly where this town is, and that he's a prophet of God who announced the fall of Nineveh, the capital city of the Assyrian Empire. He mentions the capture of the Egyptian city of Thebes, which occurred in six. 63 BC, and he predicted the fall of Nineveh, which took place in 612 BC. So these dates placed him in Judah during the reign of Mansa and Josiah. So the other prophets that are around around the same time would have been Jeremiah, Zephaniah, and Habakkuk. Um, Nahum, his name actually means comfort or compassion. So it's interesting that his name is comfort, means comfort and compassion, and he actually comes and delivers the message of the fall of Nineveh. He's very compassionate and comes and says, you're about to be destroyed. I'm sure he said it comfortably, with compassion, but nobody wants to hear this. His message for the Assyrians' doom was certainly... Um, have comforted the people of Judah, though, who had suffered because of the Assyrians. We talked about this a couple weeks ago when we talked about Jonah. The Assyrians had taken the northern kingdom of Israel in 722. They tried uh, to take Judah in the days of Hezekiah, but they were defeated by the angel of the Lord. The Assyrians always loomed over Judah. And they were ruthless people. We talked about their reputation for their cruelty and how brutal they were. See, Jonah had announced Nineveh's doom over a century before. Over a century before, as we talked about a couple weeks ago. He came, he showed up and said, this is what's going to happen. But Nineveh repented. And so God relented his doom over them. But the Lord was certainly long-suffering to spare the city that long, especially since the Assyrians had returned to their evil ways. So they went back to doing what they normally did. How many of us, when we hit a hard time, we draw really close to God, we kind of get our life together, we get uh, our relationship with Jesus together, or physically we hit, hit a health crisis and all of a sudden we look after ourselves physically and everything and then all of a sudden when we get healthy or we get through the crisis all of a sudden we start to drift back 
Well, this was Nineveh. Jonah shows up. Hey, in 40 days, you're destroyed. Sackcloth, repenting, fast throughout the whole city. Even the animals fasted. So now they're saved. We see 100 years later, another prophet shows up and declares their doom because they slipped back to their evil ways. Remember, a couple weeks ago, I shared this quote by Charles Spurgeon. He said, God never allows his children to sin successfully. That's one we should probably hold on to. I know it's not encouraging, but it will definitely hold us accountable. He'll never let you sin successfully. It will come to the surface. See, Nineveh returned to its evil ways and God was not happy about it. And we're going to learn a few things about God through the book of Nahum. The first thing we're going to learn is this. God is jealous. God is a jealous God. See, jealousy is a sin if it means being envious of what others have or wanting to possess it. So if you're envious of somebody, if you're jealous because they own something or have something that you want, that's a sin. But it's a virtue if it means cherishing what you have and wanting to protect it. Jealousy and zealous come from the same root. And when you're jealous over someone, you're zealous to protect the relationship. What does that mean? A faithful husband and wife are jealous over one another and do everything they can to keep their relationship exclusive. Right? That jealousy, obviously with healthy boundaries, I know we can get unhealthy in there, but that's why it says a faithful husband and wife. I'll be honest, I would be a jealous husband with Melissa. What does that mean? She would not go out for coffee with another man. It's true. I would not go out for coffee with another lady. Because that's called cheating. I made a decision 17 plus years ago to not have any lady friends except her. Not is she only my only lady friend, she's my best friend. This is God over you. He is jealous for you. What does that mean? Does that mean you can't have coffee with another God? Yeah, pretty much. Actually, I think that might be found in the Ten Commandments. It might not say coffee, but you're not supposed to have any other God. See, you can actually drink coffee. That's not against the Ten Commandments. Amen? I know, I scared myself for a minute. Whoa. (laughs) 
God is jealous for you. See, here's the thing. Since God made everything and owns everything, he is envious of no one. He's not insecure about anybody else. If you all of a sudden started serving another God, he would not be envious. He would not be like, oh, they're, more, they're better than I am. He's not insecure. What he is is jealous. Why? Why would you serve or worship that other God? He has created everything. He owns everything. He is jealous over his glory, his name, and the worship and honor that are due to him alone. You're not supposed to worship other things. Nahum 1, verse 2 and 3, it says this, The Lord is a jealous and avenging God. The Lord takes vengeance and is full with wrath. The Lord takes vengeance on his foes and vents his wrath against his enemies. The Lord is slow to anger, but great in power. The Lord will not leave the guilty unpunished. I don't know about you, the most encouraging part of that scripture is where it says the Lord is slow to anger. So he's slow to anger. But what we have to realize is that he is jealous. He's a God who takes vengeance. Now, vengeance is usually presented as a sin. Jesus in Matthew 5 and Paul in Romans 12 warns us about vengeance, but God cannot see his people fluting around his laws and doing nothing about it. Deuteronomy 32, 35 says this, it is mine to avenge, I will repay. And just so you're aware, a lot of times I encourage you when you read scripture verse to put yourself in there. When it says it's mine to revenge, that's not yours. That's not where you put yourself in the verse and go, Scripture says it's mine to revenge. This is only God. This is God speaking. And you want to know why you have to be sure that it's God and not you? Because God is slow to anger. If we're honest, a lot of us aren't slow to anger. If you're like, actually, no, Chad, it takes a lot to set me off. Great. But God is also pure in his motives. Some of us might have a short fuse. Some of us might have a long fuse. But one of the things that we cannot be 100% sure of is that we're pure in our motives. Why? Because if you're like me, you can be selfish. And we talked about Jonah a few weeks ago. If you're like me and Jonah, you can be stubborn. And so this is why we have to trust him. It is mine to avenge, I will repay. In due time, their foot will slip. Their day of disaster is near. Their doom rushes upon them. It continues in verse 41. I will, when I sharpen my flashing sword and my hand grasp it in the judgment, I will take vengeance on my adversaries and repay those who hate me. When God takes vengeance by judging people, it's because he's a holy God. 
He is a jealous God, a zealous God for his holy law. See, God's anger, as we just talked about, God's anger is not like human anger, which can be selfish and out of control. He is a holy anger, a righteous anger against all that defies his authority and disobeys his law. See, Pastor Carlo, as he was leading worship, he said God loves, one of the things that God loves is our faith and worship. Scripture also tells us what he loves is our obedience. He would rather obedience over sacrifice. He would rather you worship him because Scripture says to more than out of sacrifice. And he's jealous for us. See, in Nahum 1 and 2, 1 verse 2, Nahum wrote that God was furious, filled with wrath, if depending on your version. In verse 6, he described God as indignation, as so fierce and powerful that is poured out like fire with the power to shatter the rocks. How many people know that if God got angry at you and shattered a rock in front of you, not talking a pebble, I'm talking like a mountain, it would probably get your attention. Maybe don't answer this, but you ever got mad and put your fist through a wall? Don't put your hand up. In a bad way, it gets the attention, most times of yourself. God can shatter a rock with his anger. However, the wonderful thing is in verse 3, we're assured that his wrath isn't a fit of rage or a temper tantrum. He doesn't just go off. The Lord is slow to anger. He's slow to anger. As you walk through life with Christ, know that he's slow to anger. He wants us to grow with him. This is why he first came to Nineveh with repent, and they repented. And he just let them be. He accepted their repentance. He loved on them. And then they decided to go back to their evil ways. See, the God that Nahum introduces to us is a jealous God who is angry at sin, but he's also a good God who cares for his people. Nahum invites us to consider the goodness and severity of God. God is love, but he is also light. And his love is a holy love. He is a refuge for those who trust him, but he is an overwhelming flood for those who are his enemies. You love God, you serve God. He's your refuge and who you can trust, who you can seek comfort from. But God is a jealous God. The other thing we learn through Nahum is God is a judge. God is judge. In 1612 B.C., 
The Medites and the Babylonians unified and attacked Nineveh. And the Lord used them to judge the city. This chapter is a vivid description of what happened as seen in Nahum in the vision that God gave him. See, Nineveh had the Kosher River flowing through the city. They had their own water source. It went right through the city. So they built their wall over the river to keep people out, but to give themselves a great water source. So the invading army, what did they do? Upriver, they dammed it. They dammed the river. Immediately when I hear that, I'm like, oh, they let the river shrink down, lower down, so they could just walk through it into the city. No, these guys were like even smarter than that. They dammed it all up. And then they released it. So when the water crashed into the wall, it broke the wall. And it broke some of the buildings near the wall. It's amazing what the power of nature can do. See, it's no wonder the Lord announced, I'm against you. Over a century before, the Lord sent Jonah to warn Nineveh, and the city repented, and he withdrew. But now they went back, and he allows these armies. He uses them to bring judgment, and they destroyed the city. See, the third thing we learn is God is a just God. Nahum gives us three reasons why the Ninevites deserve to be judged. The three reasons they deserve to be judged was their ruthless bloodshed. How brutal they were. Their idolatry. The other gods that they had. And then the third one was their pride and self-confidence. See, the ruthless bloodshed we may not be able to identify with. We may not be able to identify with the ruthless bloodshed that they had, but the other two I believe we can actually identify with. We can identify with their idolatry. We can identify with their idolatry. See, often in Scripture, idolatry is associated with prostitution. And when you consider that the chief deity of Nineveh was Isatar, the goddess of sexual passion, fertility, and war, you can understand that Nahum used this as a metaphor. Because of their spiritual blindness, the Assyrians were ensnared by its evil goddess and were under the control of lust, greed, and violence. See, here's what you have to understand. People become like the God they worship. You will become like the God you worship. For what we believe determines how we behave. So the question is, what are you becoming like? See, we ask that question, what are you becoming like? Because immediately if I'm like, what God do you serve? You're in this room, you're watching online, most likely you're going to go, well, I serve Jesus. Is that what your schedule shows us? 
Is that what your bank account shows us? Is that what your volunteer stuff shows us? See, if I'm connected to God, Scripture tells me I will produce fruit, the fruit of the Spirit. That means I'll be loving. That means I will be patient. That means I will be kind. I'll be gentle. Do these things describe you? How much idolatry do we have in our lives? See, Pastor Melissa spoke this morning. She shared about resting and sitting at the well and just sitting with God. And so many of us are busy. Before, it was so natural when somebody said to you, hey, how are you doing? Our natural response was good. Good just came out. It was just the North American thing. How you doing? Good. Meanwhile, my life's falling apart. Everything's horrible, but just naturally good. That's what flows out of our mouths. Now, what do you hear more than anything else? Hey, how you doing? Busy. We have gone from being good to being busy. And many of us in the church would say, Chad, I'm so busy, I have a hard time finding time to spend with Jesus. I understand that. Life is busy. Our schedules are full. But how many of us still have a hard time finding time for our hobbies? How many of us still have a hard time finding time to get in our favorite TV show? How many of us have a hard time still to watch the news? How many of us still have a hard time and let the list go on? I tease my son a little bit, a lot. Because he likes playing video games like any other teenager. And when we have a busy schedule, when we're trying to, you know, get from baseball to get the house in, we have a family kind of reunion this afternoon, and so we've been going nuts trying to get the house in shape. And he's constantly just going, hey, are we done? Can I go play video games? Hey, are we done? Can I go play video games? And I'm using him as an example But many of us, when we find that open time in our schedule during the day, daily, I'm not talking weekly, you have a daily open time in your schedule. We look to our hobbies. We look to what we enjoy. We look to getting other things done. So my challenge for you is this. I don't believe we're too busy to spend time with God. It's just not a priority. 
Because if it's a priority, we find room for it. You find room for whatever is a priority in your life. Well, Chad, that's a little harsh. You don't know my schedule. I don't know your schedule. But I'm willing to bet you still find time to do something you enjoy in your time. We have to just confess the fact we have other idols in our lives. Chad, I don't have a statue in my house that I kneel down and worship. Yes, I understand that. But idols are anything that comes before God. So what's your idol? What is it that you worship? What is it that you are beginning to look like? Because see, if you are only spending time with God here on Sundays, you are not becoming like him. We need to engage with God daily. If you're hearing this right now, you're like, Chad, I really want to do this, but I'm not even sure where to start. We actually did up a reading plan for the summer to read through the minor prophets. Now, I know most times if people are like, I haven't really read the Bible, where should I start? A lot of times we're like, ah, start in John, start in Romans, it's a good place to start. Minor prophets are not one of the first times that we recommend to people. Because as you hear most of these messages, they're not super encouraging. But if you're like, I'm not sure where to start. There is a piece of paper, I know some are just outside this door, I think we have some out here, that you can pick up, you can go to our website, you can download, and you can just read along. It's one chapter a day. If you start reading and you're like, Chad's right, these are not encouraging. Then jump to John and read. But if you're like, I don't know where to start, we're handing you something. One of the things Billy Graham did every day of his life, he would read a chapter of Proverbs, whatever the date was. So today's July 31st. He would read Proverbs 31. And then if you missed a day and you're like, oh, I got it, whatever the date is, just read it. It's amazing how it teaches you. There, those two are for free. The third thing is this. Or the second thing that we can identify is their pride and self-confidence. If we just talked about idols in our life and you were like, no, not me. Maybe we should listen here. Our pride and our self-confidence. See, Nineveh was so confident in the city that they built and in their army that they saw this army coming. And what did they do? They just locked up their gates and they partied. By the time they actually got to the walls, they were too drunk to fight. They were too confident in what they had. Are you desperate for God? Do you realize that, first off, everything you have in your life, whatever degree you have, whatever home you own, whatever you have in your bank account, no matter what you drive, no matter where you live, all of it came from God. That's what we have to remember. So my confidence is not in me. My confidence is in Jesus Christ. Where's your confidence? 
Is there something in your life that God has been speaking to you about? Is there something that God has been telling you you need to stop doing, but you think you have it under control? This morning could be the last warning. What if this moment was the last warning? You think you have it under control, but you don't. You're doing it more often than you used to. But nobody knows. God won't let us sin successfully. Will you submit to God? See, Nineveh had Jonah come and warn them, and they repented. And then they started to slip back their old ways. Just a little bit at a time. Then without fully knowing it, without fully deciding, they slip back to their old ways. Maybe you're here and you're like, no, I have it under control, Chad. It's actually not as bad as it used to be. I gave it to God. I did well for a very long time. And now I'm just slipping up a little bit. But Chad, I got it under control. How much farther do you have to slip? How much farther do you have to go before you realize, man, not only did I hit where I used to be, I'm actually gone farther. What if this morning is the last warning? See, this time when he came to Nineveh, God's warning wasn't to repent. It was you're going to lose everything. So today you have the opportunity to repent and to return to God to the fullness he has called you to. Romans 12, 3 says this. For by grace given to me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought but rather think of yourselves with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. This morning, I'm going to open up the altars. I'm going to have our prayer team come in just a few minutes, and we're going to give you an opportunity to come to the front and to seek and repent forgiveness, repent and ask for forgiveness. And I know immediately some of you are like, whoa, you're going to have us come to the front? Yes. Yeah, but then people will know I'm coming to repent. Yes. Well, Chad, why are you going to do that? Well, Scripture tells me right here that I shouldn't think more highly of myself. Think of myself in sober, sober judgment. And I want to tell you Romans 3, 23, 24 says this, For all have sinned. I know Pastor Kristen likes doing word studies, and I like doing them as well. Do you know if you search that word all and look it up in the dictionary, what it means is all. All of us. All of you. All of me. All of us have fallen short of the glory of God. And all are justified freely 
by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. I always tell my kids this. I tell them all the time. Hey, listen. If you've messed up and we're asking you about it, just tell us. Just admit it. Because if you admit it, you will be in less trouble than if we found out you lied about it. Because now you're in trouble for what you did, and you're in trouble because you lied. Now, as parents, as adults, we're like, yep. That goes the same with God. It's easier just to repent. It's easier just to walk to the front and be like, yep, I just need to repent. Than to get found out later. friend of mine, uh, 2002, I was working at a camp, and it was just, try to keep the story short as I'm over time. I was working at a Christian camp. A buddy of mine, he was working there as well. And he ended up, him and his girlfriend started sleeping together. Which Sex before marriage is a no-no. And at the camp, Christian camp, if you get caught or you confess, you have to go home. It's part of the code of conduct. My friend walked in to a district executive meeting. It wasn't his boss's office. It was the district executive, which is like, the top pastors of our whole district. He walked in and he just said, can I have a moment? And they knew him. They're like, yeah, what's up? I have something I need to confess. I need to have something to tell you. He tells them. And he goes, I realize I need to go pack up my room and I need to go home. And they're like, yep. To this day, The men that sat in that room only talk about how much honor and respect they have for my friend. He pastors a church in that district today. I want you to know, in a moment, when these altars are open and you walk down to the front, there will be zero judgment in this room. Because one of two things. Anybody sitting in those seats has walked to the front before or probably should be walking with you today. Because Scripture tells us all have fallen short. Today's a day to get right with God. Today is a day to say, God, I have sin in my life. Today is a day to go, you know what? I'm going to confess it to the Lord. Why? Because I actually believe what Charles Spurgeon says is God won't let us sin successfully. Prayer team, will you come?
as a church, I just want you to know that we're in this together. Every one of us has things to repent. Every one of us has things to ask God for forgiveness for. Here's the amazing thing. When you come to the front, you can share what you're repenting for. Or you can just tell them, I'm repenting to the Lord and they're going to pray with you. Here's the amazing thing that God does. And if you ask the prayer team, they will tell you this is true. When a prayer team is done praying at the front, it's like God gives them amnesia. Is that the right term? Did I get the right word? I was just going to say forgetfulness. I thought it would be awesome and say a big word, and then I was really nervous. I said the wrong one. They walk away from here, and they don't remember things. You mean they don't pray for us? No, they'll pray for you, but they, sometimes they don't remember what you're praying for because God is so gracious. So I want you to stand with me this morning. So what is that thing that God is asking you to stop doing? What is that thing? Don't let your pride tell you that you don't need help or prayer. And even though you think I've stopped before, I'm going to stop again. You need people with you. You need people to pray with you. So I want to just open up the altars right now. And in this moment, I want you just to begin to come. And take this moment, take this opportunity to say, God, I'm just going to repent. I want to get right with you. I want to confess. So I realize what I'm asking is a big ask. And as some start to come, I want you to realize it's a morning to be set free. Don't walk out of here with it. You can be like, Chad, it's so small, I'm not going to walk to the front. It's small now, but God is speaking to you right now. ones that are coming, I just want to thank you. I want to thank you for the humility. I want to thank you for being brave.
So I'm going to close, pray, but I'm going to make one bold statement. And I know you're probably like, Chad, the whole thing's been a little bold. What you're saying by sitting in your seats right now is that if God showed up right now, you're good. If God showed up right now, he can see your phone. He can see your search history. He can look into every room of your house. He can look at every part of your heart and every part of your mind because you're good. And if that's who you are and you're confident in that, God bless you, I am thrilled for you. But if any part of that statement makes you go, ooh, don't walk out of here without having prayer this morning. So Father, I thank you. Lord, I thank you that you are God of second chances. But Lord, I also thank you that you are a God that won't let us sin successfully. And Lord, it's not that you want to trap us. It's not that you want to hurt us. It's not that you want to trick us. But Father, you want us with you for eternity. And so Lord, no matter big or small, we think it is. If it separates us from you, it's big in your eyes. And so Father, this morning I pray that you will bring healing to hearts, that Father, you will break off chains in the name of Jesus Christ, that you will set people free, that Lord, people will leave here different than when they walked in. And so Holy Spirit, change hearts and change lives. Let us encounter you in a new way. Bring freedom to this place. Lord, we thank you for your grace in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Please still go to the front and receive prayer. Thanks for checking out this week's message, Bethel Church Podcast. We hope that it's blessed you and encouraged you and that you come back and check out next week's message as well. 